Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Here we go. Everyday Supernatural Part 3. Uh, we've, we've been thinking about living Everyday Supernatural uh, because, frankly, the Bible gives the distinct impression that it is completely normal for Jesus followers to live everyday supernatural. So why wouldn't we? Or hmm, why don't we? Uh, And so we began remembering that Jesus loves us, uh, that he loves us living with him. Uh, We began remembering how important it is to be aware of his presence, recognizing his great power. Uh, Not sort of weirdly like he's present out there, but wonderfully, he is present in here, which is just incredible. And next we remembered, God's presence with us is persistent, uh, as he loves living with us. He calls us to live in the fullness of all of his presence, to be filled with his Holy Spirit, as we were thinking last week. That's lovely, isn't it? Lovely, 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 lovely. Isn't that good? But of course, living everyday supernatural doesn't end there, and neither does our series. Because this time, I want us to think a little bit about when living gets complicated, because, spoiler alert, it does. How do we live everyday supernatural in those kind of moments? What do we do when everyday is hard? We're not even sure we'd call it living, let alone supernatural. What ways are there that we can make living everyday supernatural a bit more complicated ourselves, frankly? Because maybe sometimes we do that too. So this talk is so important because what we do, what we want, what we hope for and expect when life is tricky really matters. It really matters. This, uh, what a, you know, in all of those days, the ones that we choose and the ones it seems have chosen us, almost whatever we might do. So if you can think of a day, whether it's one of yours or one you can see someone else living through, and you, can, you can't imagine God's presence and power in that day, then, well, this talk is for you. And I've called this talk, God's Power, Our Weakness. In a minute, I'll read you something from uh, Corinthians, a letter in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and and verse 9. It was was written by someone called Paul, uh, and he wrote some really important words about living everyday supernatural when... Well, I think he would say his life was some way south of super. It really wasn't so great. He was writing to some Christians who knew him. He'd spent time with them, and he knew him, and uh, he thought he knew them. But unfortunately, their familiarity with him had bred some pretty hefty kind of contempt. And they'd chosen to slag him off to criticise him and and complain about him while he was hoping to care for them and uh, to love them and to lead them as Christians. It appears 
They'd all been rather too impressed by some super-Christians. If it was today, we'd be wondering where they found them online. What have you been watching on the internet? Who do you think a great Christian is out there now? But it wasn't. It was then. Anyway, instead of getting all defensive uh, and carefully reminding them of all of his amazing credentials, uh, he was determined to preach Jesus to them and not Paul. He wanted to keep preaching Jesus, to keep speaking of his greatness. But alongside boasting about Paul, a God, Paul actually decided to sort of, sort of boast about himself, but, well, his weakness and his suffering. So Paul responded to them saying, look, you think sometimes I'm weak, and you've spoken rather critically about it. I know I am weaker still, um, actually, all the time, whether or not you know I'm weak or not. And I've prayed, i prayed desperately about it. But actually, God knows all of my weaknesses. And he is the one that is least phased about any of them. And here's what he says to me. This is Paul saying what God had said to him in his weakness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. This, I mean, it's gold. It is pure gold for living supernaturally every day. And here's why. Firstly, I would say it is because Paul has clearly kept listening to God in weakness. Paul, we're told in Corinthians, lives with some significant difficulty. And Paul calls this difficulty his thorn in the flesh. Okay, now we don't know exactly what that is. And theologians who like to spend time thinking about those sorts of things have spent all the time and more necessary trying to figure that out. My theory, in my opinion, if Paul thought we needed to know what his thorn in the flesh was, he would have told us that. Uh, but hey, that's just me. All right. What I will point out in this is that a thorn in the flesh as an, as an image must have really resonated with him because that was a time way back before antiseptic, before tetanus jabs and all of that kind of thing that we know now. So a literal thorn in the flesh in the days of Paul and the Corinthians he was writing to wasn't a minor irritant that you could basically manage until it, you know, popped it, squeezed out, healed up, all the rest of it. A literal thorn in the flesh would fester. It would, it would go horrible. It, it would weaken you every day for sure. It could kill you. And it probably would. Uh, with the medicine and the capability of the day. So this is something really 
Lumpy, really significant that Paul is living with. That weakens him. And he's admitted he's prayed this all through. Not just once, he says. I've prayed this through three times. He's sort of, in case they hadn't noticed, saying, just like Jesus praying that his cup of suffering would pass. This is something massive in me and before me. Jesus pleads that this cup of suffering would pass. His didn't, and my thorn in the flesh hasn't. He's saying to them, this is what he's got. He hadn't asked for answers. He hadn't said, why me or why now? He'd specifically asked God, please take this away, this thorn in the flesh. I can't live with this. It's, it's so weakening me. What am I with this thorn in the flesh? Surely, God, you'd want me without this thorn in the flesh. You've got all these Corinthians, you know, all these Philippians, all these people you need me to write letters to. How do I do that, God? This thorn in the flesh, please take it away. Now ask yourself this. If you'd asked God something specifically, you'd asked him specifically to take it away, and I wouldn't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that a whole bunch of you have done that. Something physical, perhaps, something mental, something that weakened you socially and emotionally. And then God didn't do it. What do you think? How do you feel? Would you still be listening carefully to God, like Paul clearly is? Listening to God. Because he hears God say, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God, you're not listening. I don't want it in weakness. I want it taken away. I'm grateful for reminders to me that I should be more specific as I speak to God. Paul reminds us also to listen. And he reminds us to allow God to be more specific as he answers us too. Because God does answer prayer. He always does. He did answer Paul's prayer. Even though it wasn't the answer he was expecting, God said, Paul, I'll be enough for you and your thorn in the flesh. I'll be enough. Not only will it not limit my power, I'm going to be perfectly demonstrate who I am. Right there in your life, Mr. Thorne. Let's do this. Let's do this in my grace. What an answer to hear. What an answer to hear. This is such a vital lesson for us. If we want to know God's power in weakness, if we want to know anything and grow in anything about living every day supernatural. I don't know about you, I'm embarrassed to think how many times in my life I've thought perhaps God hasn't and isn't going to answer me. When the reality was, I wasn't listening to him say, my grace is sufficient for you. My power's made perfect in this, Steve. Really? That's your answer? Maybe you can relate to that. I think at times I've been like a, a, to use a metaphor, a prayer predator, hunting for answers. 
I love all those programs out in the savannah. They're going, but you know, nine out of 10 of my prayer hunts have ended in failure. Without a capture, I didn't get the answer I wanted. Except, of course, that is making it all about my power, my ability to rein it in. Can I get the keys of success from heaven to this? Yes, I can. Just watch me. Actually, it's all about his grace in, in my weakness. Just imagine you're, you're out there, you're, you're having your own adventure in life, you're scaling an in, incredible mountain, but somewhere along the line it goes wrong, and you slip, and you lose some ground, you're, you're sliding down a mountain, you don't know quite where it's going to stop, you end up lodged, stuck, and you know, one leg's gone in some sort of crevasse or under a boulder. There's no way you're going to pull yourself out of this. How, what happens now? Is this where it ends? This is, you know, after all of this, I'm out there getting fit. I'm not stuck in front of the telly. What's happening? But incredibly, in this moment, you check. I've got some mobile signal. Brilliant. I can, what's the number for mountain rescue? Woohoo! Thank you, Google. Other search engines are available. And you, you call them up, and they're like, yeah, we'll be right with you. Mountain Rescue come, and you say, look, I, I, I've been trying to get this off of my leg, but it's, it's not shifting. And they go, you know, it's, it's all right. It's all right, you're, we're here now. We're going to sort this. No, but you, you, you're not listening to me. I have to, I have to get my leg out here. It's okay. We, we do this, all right? We, we rescue people. We, we're Mountain Rescue, right? <laughs> We, we've got this. No, but you haven't because my leg comes out like this and if you look here, this rock is never going to move. Don't worry. What happens in that moment if you're like saying, you're not listening to me because you're not going to free my leg like I like. You know, and, and you, you know, sometimes we do the spiritual equivalent of like picking up the phone and phoning up a friend from there with their leg stuck in the mountain. Mountain rescue's there. They're sorting it out. You're going to be fine. And your phone your friend saying, I called mountain rescue and they didn't answer me. They're like there, doing what they do. It's what we do to God. Paul kept listening to God. And he lived every day supernatural. I wonder, who are we listening to the most? How easily are you impacted by other people's seeming dismissal of you? Apparently, dis... Cornford... Apparently discounting you. You're too young, you're too old. Not enough experience. You've got some experience. Oh, good, but it's the wrong kind of experience. And so on and so on. How easily are you snagged by your own imposter syndrome? I shouldn't even be here. Your own underlying sense that actually if people knew how weak you felt... I've got to patch this up. I've got to make something more of this. Quickly, paddle harder when they're not looking. How much have we listened to what God says about our weakness lately? When he says, that, <laughs> my grace is sufficient for that. My grace is sufficient for that. So, 
Paul listened, but not only did he listen, he kept believing what God was saying in his weakness. He believed what God had said to him. Paul had to maintain some belief in God to keep listening to what God was saying and then to accept it. And that even though it wasn't necessarily what he was asking for or what he was expecting God to say. Maybe I can put this another way. Everyday supernatural, living like that, listening like that, believing like that, is kind of praying on earth as it is in heaven prayers, right? The thing is, sometimes I think I pray in heaven as it is on earth prayers. Sometimes I live it the other way around. In other words, I can, I, you know, I do it for a variety of reasons. I don't know about you, uh, but mainly because I haven't listened to God as well as I could, and I would prefer him to listen to me rather than perhaps me believing what I've heard him already say to me. So I start praying, you know, those kind of <laughs> in heaven as it is on earth. In other words, I've got stuck on things that seem to be around here, which maybe I'm not entirely happy with the setup as it is, and I don't know what God's doing about it. So if he's not going to do anything, he could at least be more grumpy, like me, about it too. Or else I'm quite sure how I'd like things fixed up and put straight on earth in my vicinity. I know how to sort this out, God's. So I have a word with heaven uh, to make sure my expectations are part of uh, his big picture, of course. In heaven, as it is on earth, becomes my attempt at imposing my will on God rather than believing who he is, how he's present, what he's already said. On earth, as it is in heaven, is God's kingdom come. It's God's will done. Believing something about God's will is absolutely vital to living everyday supernatural. Believing God means not only his grace is sufficient. Yeah, I, I get that. You could suppose that because, well, he's God. Who's got all the grace? God's going to have it, isn't he? Stands to reason as a sort of logical conclusion you could come to. But that's not quite what Paul believed. Paul believed, my grace is sufficient for you. That's what he believed. Not just like, God's got oodles of grace. He's got all the power, but his grace and his power are enough for you, for me. That's what he's believing. Uh, what Paul believed is it's sufficient. It's one thing being persuaded God's grace is enough. The real issue in living everyday supernatural is saying it's enough for me. I get this. I get that God is powerful, but will he be powerful enough? What, in my weakness? Uh, can he do that? I don't know quite how I can sort of intellectually convince you of this. It's not something we necessarily reason ourselves into. It's a bit more like the child that's described in Psalm 131. We, we need to learn to wait with 
hope, as this child does. The child in, in Psalm 131 uh, needs to be weaned off of a kind of thinking that says, I'll get what I want, or else I'll scream until I do. Never met any Christians like that, have we? Hmm. And they need to be weaned to recognizing I'm in a vital relationship with God who will supply all of my needs, who wants to do that. And so I'm okay. Most of the time, just being in his presence is enough. How do you know when you've had enough? That's key to what we believe about God. Enough isn't a mathematical question. It's not about stuff and spreadsheets and diaries and an organization. It's not a logistical question. It's a faith, life, belief kind of question. Because it requires you to be clear on what you believe about what you really need. When people aren't too sure what they need, nothing's ever enough, is it? <laughs> they just spend their life trying to get as much as possible. And we see them rushing around trying to do that. The other day I stumbled across this verse in Psalm 50, verse 21, where God confronts us saying, it's quite, quite a line, it never quite struck me like this before. He says, you thought I was like you. <laughs> and sometimes when we struggle to believe God I think we're doing that aren't we my grace is sufficient for you yeah 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 but I know what it is to get busy God or, or to get distracted or, or to sort of run out or, or maybe not have quite enough time or, or to want to say no but not quite know how to say no you thought I was like you do I do that oh I do that I wonder if that's why we can struggle to believe he's enough even in our weakness, his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. Paul not only believed in God, but in his will towards Paul's weakness and in his will towards the Corinthians' weakness. So he kept writing them letters, even when they were Corinthian towards him in every way. Being everyday supernatural doesn't go far, do much, or say very much without getting this bit about God's will for us. It's not just who is he, but who is he to you? Who is he to them that he's calling you to be everyday supernatural towards? What will he be, even in your weakness? Ah, because, well, that's him. It's a reason we don't live, is a reason we don't live everyday supernatural because we're not entirely sure God's grace and power is enough for my ordinary humdrum, my kind of normal stuff of my life. It's the reason we don't live everyday supernatural that we're unconvinced whether God's grace is enough for my weakness, let alone someone else's. What do you believe God's grace is sufficient for? Ask yourself that. What, what do you believe his grace is sufficient for? Whose weakness do you believe his power will be made perfect in? Clever Christians who write really good Christian paperback books? 
Just those ones? Or all of us? In all of our weakness? Paul was so convinced by what he believed, he kept boasting of God in weakness. It, it, it seems Paul's not a very boastful kind of guy. He seems to take quite a run-up to this. It, it's not quite his normal mode of speaking. But Paul is now living, he's acting, he's speaking, writing differently, everyday supernatural. Even in weakness, because of God's words, he's heard and he's believed. And now what's gone in, it's coming out again in, into the world around him, into lives, his own life and people through him. It's not because he's learned to live with weakness that somehow he's managed his own Here's how to be a good Christian and work around in 10 easy steps that all begin with the same letter. No, it's not because God has removed all weakness and imperfection from his life and now he's offering others the, you know, the secret of his success. In his own words, Paul admitted, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me has not been in vain. The effect is that Paul is living every day by grace and he is clinging to it. It's the only way he believes he's going to stay upright, keep in the game, keep being there to say what he's called to say by grace. In God's grace and power, he's going to live like that, speak like that. I think the people who see God doing extraordinary, supernatural things are those looking to his grace and power in the ordinary lives and their own weakness. They're the ones who know why they need grace rather than maybe another group of people who might simply like to, well, I've tried a few things. Perhaps I could try God's grace with a few of their own preconditions, as long as it's not too embarrassing. Now, the people who live every day supernatural, they need his grace. And that's all they need. They're fine with that. And they keep looking to him, looking to his grace. He said, it's enough for me. You said that. It's enough for me. They're just wired into that. When the ordinary becomes messy, the overwhelming, the downright difficult, when it all becomes too much. But I've... I've got his grace, and his grace is enough. Wow. Brilliant. Maybe that's why when Jesus was looking for metaphors of how we live in him, he chose things like how well lilies of the field are dressed, because they obviously didn't dress themselves. Something they had in God, something how they were made, what they were given. I can't do it. I know my weakness. I trust in his strength. No need to wait until you're sorted. People have this idea in life. People, when we, you know, sometimes people think they're, oh, I'm definitely Jesus is it, but I won't get baptized yet because there's a few things in my life I need to sort out. Oh, I think you missed the point. The whole point is there's not very much I can sort out in my life without Jesus. That's the very reason to get in the pool. I'm pointing there because we do it over there sometimes. 
and say, Jesus, by your grace. That's what I need. It's who you are. You've, you're a work in progress by the grace of God. It's so great. The pressure's off. What if, I, what if you and I don't have to present as some sort of totally together Jesus influencer in order to be everyday supernatural? What if we just get to be you and me? <laughs> what if I don't have to wait for anything to live everyday supernatural? What if accepting my weakness actually places me Slap bang in the perfect place to see and know God's power and his grace right here, right now. Difficult days, personal weakness can be the place for us knowing and encouraging others in God's power. Uh, The most of all. Truth is, God is way less troubled by our weakness than we or other people can be. Way less troubled by it. That's not such a big deal to him. We might prefer him to fix us, or maybe them. We might want him to make us strong. Instead, he sees our weakness and thinks that will be perfect. There's a great place to start. How about we do this together? In my grace and in my power, he says. I'll use that in ways only I can, in ways that will show them I am God. I wonder if you hear that today. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. I wonder if you really believe that today for you his grace is sufficient for you his power is made perfect in in your weakness even the bits of it your your blind spots the bits you haven't even quite spotted that's okay he's seen those too and his grace is going to be okay for that I wonder if you would live the kind of life that lets that out a bit. That lets anybody else see that. That lets it change how you act. How you speak. What you will do. Where you will go. What you'll say there. What you will be in that place. In order to say, his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Something that's beyond your own life and into other people's. In a minute we're going to worship and I'll ask the band to come back up now. Because that's the thing we do near the end, isn't it? But in this moment... I want us to respond to God wherever we're at. You may be feeling pretty together today. 
and I'm very pleased for you. <laughs> That's good. You might be quietly feeling slightly less than together. And God's not phased about that either. That's no problem. That's a great place for his grace and his power. But right across the room, I'd, however much sense of your weakness you have, whatever you, in whatever ways this resonates with you today, or for that season you've just been through, recent months, that thing this week that you're not quite sure how that's going to pan out and you can't stop thinking about it. Just to come to God and to respond to what he's saying to you. My grace is sufficient for you. I wonder what you want to tell God that you believe his grace is enough for in your life. I wonder what situation it is that just goes round and round in your mind because you don't know how to fix it. And uh, in this moment, you've suddenly realized, ah, okay, I could bring it to God. I could know God in this. It's not just down to me to resolve this one. Things, maybe there are things that seem less likely to change. I had a particular sense as I was preparing this that God was waiting for people to talk to him about unanswered prayer. Those moments in our lives where we feel we've cried out with all that we have, God, I, I thought you were going to come through in this way. And we're not quite sure what we've heard. I believe God is continuing to say to you, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And in, and in this moment, you can choose to say to God, God, thank you. I get that you've got this. I get that. Thank you. I, I didn't know where you were in him. It, it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what we all prayed for. But I get that your grace is enough in this. I don't want to rush this moment because one of the things we do 
uh, when we're trying to fix it is to rush around a bit too much, isn't it? We wriggle and squirm on God's lap. Not sure what God's doing or if he's going to come through for us. This is a moment where we can choose to sit quietly before God. To look into his face. To know him saying, I, I am enough for you. And this time, maybe for the first time, to say, yes, you are. Yes, you are enough for me. Thank you. I thought I needed that. I thought I needed you and and this different, that situation, not how it's turned out. What I really need is you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.